The New Orleans Center for the Gulf South will be hosting Women in Movement number seven, Agitators, Policymakers, and Dismantlers in New Orleans, October 8th from 6 to 7.15 p.m. over Zoom. We're joined today by Denise Frazier, Assistant Director of the New Orleans Center for the Gulf South, and Hannah Krieger Vinson, who's Program Director at the Music and Culture Coalition of New Orleans. Thank you both so much for speaking with me today. Thank you so much, Theo. We appreciate it. And I think Hannah, by the way, will be joining a little bit later, just to okay. let you know. All right, excellent. Um, well, Denise, um, just first of all, could you tell us a little bit about the center and, uh, and a little bit more about this event series that this is part of? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. And um, props to WTUL and you for letting us uh, be on. Um, the New Orleans Center for the Gulf South at Tulane is an interdisciplinary pace-based institute. Um, we were founded in 2011 and it is now a cornerstone of the School of Liberal Arts. So we um, work underneath the School of Liberal Arts at Tulane University umbrella. And we're dedicated to preserving, perpetuating, and celebrating the distinct cultures of New Orleans and the Gulf South region. And we identify that bioregion as stretching from Florida to Texas. Um, so we don't only focus on the coastal states, but focus on how our region um, interconnects internationally. And we explore areas of Latin America, the Caribbean, and Africa, um, and explore how those places have ties to this region and have influenced the distinctive culture, history and traditions, as well as other Delta city and coastal and wetland areas around the world that share the same geographical traits. And we, uh, um, our center's mission rests on three pillars, which is research, teaching and community engagement. And our programming, programming is based on the belief that the more we understand where we are, the more fully we can engage in our democracy and collective destiny. And I wanna just add um, one more thing to that is uh, uh, to, to be able to engage compassionately with other people mm -hmm. and to know what that is and to understand the, the many sides of the stories of this place. Uh, so that's us in a nutshell. Great, well, um, could you talk a little bit about this event series? It's been going now for, I'm not sure, it feels like it, maybe a year, but maybe a lot more than that. Yeah, you are absolutely right. It's been going on for about three years. It was birthed um, from an idea that Rebecca had about um, the importance of women in our community and how there were several examples of women who were marrying social justice work with their art. And um, so we had the opportunity to work with Jarrell Hamilton, who is also a New Orleanian. Um, and was an MA student um, in theater and dance at Tulane a few years ago, who's now a wonderful choreographer and was, well, she was always that, but um, is now going on to run her own business. Um, she really helped us identify what a possible event could be uh, related mm -hmm. to women in this region who work in social justice and art. And so from a mixture of uh, Rebecca's ideas and Jarrell's ideas, um, Women in Movement was born. And um, so I'm very proud and happy to say that this is our seventh um, event. We've had at least one event um, per semester. And um, I'm very excited to, um, to do this particular one because it very speaks so uh, pointedly to what is happening right now in, in our particular city. Um, who's the director of Mayor Latoya Kentrell's Office of Cultural Economy. Um, and she had a very brief moment and I um, was inspired by this dialogue that was kind of occurring um, in the periphery of that event uh, where 
cultural leaders were, were talking about the importance of cultural policy. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I really was inspired by Miss um, Alexis and the, the need to uh, have, have her speak to that. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jennifer Williams is also on the panel. Um, she, uh, she is one of the founders and formers of uh, Dismantle Noma. Uh, which is a campaign that uh, is uh, calling in and calling out discriminatory practices at the New Orleans Museum of Art. They were able to garner many signatures and the campaign is uh, still continuing. And um, to, to have the courage to speak this level of truth um, for, the, for the purpose of dismantling, not necessarily destroying, understanding mm-hmm. what those differences are. And, and I would love for Jennifer, of course, I can't wait for her to uh, talk about this in um, her own words, um, but uh, she represents a different facet of, um, of a woman who is making, affecting change in New Orleans um, at the intersection of cultural policy and, um, and creative decision-making. And, and we also um, will have this event moderated by Angela Tucker, who is a filmmaker who recently did a film called, uh, produced a film called Belly of the Beast that um, talks about um, sterilization of women in incarceration. And she is currently doing a series on Facebook where she is partnering with someone who's talking to her about um, politics and policy. So there just seems to be this kind of trend of African descended women um, doing this level of work mm-hmm. and, and women in general. And um, lastly, but not least, uh, Hannah Krieger Benson, who is a dear friend of mine, um, is rounding out this panel. Um, she's one of the um, community programmers from the Music and Culture Coalition in New Orleans and um, on this call. So um, yeah, it, it, it was inspired by um, before the pandemic and now has become more crucial as we move into our election season. Yeah, and then, I mean, you know, this is recalling the the installment number six for me, which was such a great event and, and was so mm-hmm. focused on um, on institutions and changing sort of institute. almost I'm thinking about, you know, whether that was theater companies or museums and, and, and in a way, like you're saying this, it's interesting to me to think about how this moves on to, to thinking about like an institutional space like NOMA. And I was just looking at the Dismantle NOMA website this morning and for anybody who hasn't had a chance to look at it, it's really powerful and really names a lot of powerful critiques of, about the material kind of lineage of racism and anti-blackness and you know that that exists in a lot of um of of institutional spaces like noma but 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 this idea of having this conversation between you know among thinking about in particular institutions and the city and then hannah and i'm I'm excited to let you talk now and talk about your work about like maybe less institutions but but things that we can think of as cultural institutions because they're large like sort of cultural areas in in new orleans i don't know if that makes sense at all but i'm interested to hear your i think so yeah (laughs) um yeah and uh again i'm i'm sorry for the the technical trouble that i had there i i think i've figured out a, a better connection um you know i hearing hearing denise sort of just kind of, you know, say all in one place um, the the accomplishments and the the um, expertise of the women on this panel. I'm, you know, again, just really excited and honored to be part of this conversation. Um, and I did want to also just note the fact that I recently was really, really struck 
um, in a, a sort of arts organization space by the fact that the participants were so largely female and so largely um, non-white women. Um, and, you know, I'm a, a white a white woman, um, but it, it really is just sort of this very striking, um, I guess, pattern that, that you know, it's, it's nothing new, um, but I, I just personally had a moment recently of really seeing it. Um, anyways, but so in terms of, of where Macnos, a large institution, we're not really an institution and we're, we're certainly not large. Um, we are, you know, a three staff member, only one of whom is full-time um, nonprofit that, you know, sits at the intersection of culture and policy. And we specifically work on all of the ways that law and policy can negatively impact music and culture. And unfortunately, that's a lot. And there's a long history of that. Uh, and one of the ways I describe it is both that we work to kind of put out fires, you know, whether that's law enforcement, um, you know, negative interactions uh, between street street performers and law enforcement, or you know, a music venue getting sued, or a music venue having um, challenges, you know, from the city around their their permitting for live music. Um, you know, so we work to put out fires, but I also sometimes say that we work to make the landscape less flammable um, because the fact is that the the laws and the policies are deeply unfriendly and kind of hostile to culture, um, which is, you know, sort of something to really confront in a city like New Orleans, especially. But, and that is nothing new. And those are, you know, deep, deep, deep rooted. I mean, the fact is that law and policies have always been written by those in power. And historically, those in power were not the same as those who were creating culture, um, you know, in, in any number of ways, uh, including demographically. Uh, so in some ways, it's not surprising that, you know, the legal structure, the legal systems in New Orleans is just another sort of representation and manifestation of, you know, long, long running patterns um, of racial injustice and racial inequity and, um, you know, issues around uh, class and issues around sort of access and, and, you know, sort of basically who has access to power and who gets to shape the landscape in their own vision. Um, yeah, so that's kind of, that's the space in which Magno sits is, you know, working with the laws and the policies to try to make them better, but also serving as a resource to try to empower the cultural community and remove barriers to civic engagement. Um, you know, a lot of what we do is translating legal and policy language, which is not sexy and mm -hmm. often not very interesting. You know, we try to translate it for lay people. And then again, you know, kind of, I always imagine it as like creating these channels, you know, through which people can feel empowered to go into city hall, to go before the city planning commission or city council, or to, you know, email the mayor's office or whatever. And, and, and not just sort of know what to say about a particular policy or a particular, you know, incident that happened. Um, not, not only know what to say, but also feel empowered to say it. And, you know, um, there's obviously a lot of barriers to access when it comes to civic engagement. So we, on a sort of larger scale, we work there because, um, you know, we're specifically focused on music and culture, but there are issues that impact sort of uh, large swaths of New Orleanians, particularly sort of, um, you know, working class New Orleanians. So there's kind of this, 
this larger, larger context in that way. Um, I, as is not uncommon for me, I may have lost the thread of the question. I'm not sure if I actually answered it. No, um, that's all. That's all really great, and and uh, and you, you brought up a good point, which I, I think I I failed to convey in, in introducing Macno. You know, not so much that Macno itself is a large, ginormous institution, but that you know the cult, you know the the industry of of live music performance is so large, and and in some ways, you know, falling outside of having an institutional structure is this whole another world of figuring out what you know policy looks like and what advocating for the needs of of, of of workers in that context looks like. And so I'm interested because I feel like, you know, in some ways this, this conversation that's coming up on the 8th sort of has this perspective of thinking about advocating um, for and, and helping improve the sort of policy realm around, um, you know, the working conditions for, for live music performers um, whose work is often tied to the tourism industry and is, you know, woefully undervalued. And then thinking about, you know, how these conversations and exclusions take place in sort of like a fine art space and then thinking about or, you know, so-called big scare quotes there. And then thinking about um, that, you know, somebody who's coming from the mayor's office and talking about that. And, and I guess I'm curious, you know, where do you all anticipate these conversations going and what kind of relationships come out of ideally a, a, a conversation like this? Hmm. I can hmm. I can just, yeah, that's a, that's a great one. Um, one of the beautiful things that I feel like always comes out of women in movement is uh, the dialogue that happens after it's over. Mm -hmm. um, Jennifer was actually at the one in African, uh, the one that we had before the pandemic in March, 2020, and um, spoke with me later and said, this is exactly what I needed to hear. And it, uh, what, what I hope is sparked from this is continued dialogue, continued communication um, amongst all sectors of arts practices and arts um, arts work in general. And arts work is so much bigger than a person playing music or someone on the stage. It's 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 everything down to the very fine detail of who makes publicity for this, who are doing the really, who's doing the unsexy work as Hannah pointed out. Um, what, how do art advocates feel uh, supported? Um, what's going on in museums? Um, so just, just uh, building this greater awareness of each other and of each other's challenges and, struggle, and struggles in order to create a more compassionate um, community where, um, we we won't have to fight as many fires and um just um thinking about people in california when you said that hannah and um all mm -hmm. change that we're experiencing right now the way we treat each other is also um climate change <laughs> a version of climate change or a version of mm. how, how, oh, I love that. How, how we um deal with this environment and this planet um and and so um, my job, I see my job at the center is uh, creating more of this awareness to, like I said, build democracy and um, increase compassion. So that's my um, response. And I'll just, I'll just add to that. I'll kind of start with like, um, I'll start with the very, the very literal um, in terms of the relationships there, which is that um, I've met Lisa Alexis a couple of times and I've been on a number of Zoom calls with her and you know, that Office of Cultural Economy has a long-running relationship with MACNO, um, you know, because MACNO started 
uh, in 2012, under the previous administration. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, at times that office has been incredibly helpful. At times we've disagreed or, you know, kind of clashed with that office. Um, but, you know, the fact that there is an office of cultural economy, I think, you know, again, it kind of gets back to that, like, um, the language of the laws needs to, the language of our laws and structures needs to reflect what it is that we value. And, you know, so having that office exists, you know, kind of amplifies the fact that, um, you know, this is something that we, that we value. Um, but then the other, you know, I've not met Jennifer or Angela and I admire, I know of both of them. I admire both of their work. So for me, I'm like, like, you know, it's at the very sort of literal concrete level to actually meet two people that I've not met before and who may or may not be familiar with MACNO and I, I don't really know, but you know, hopefully after this, it'll be two more people sort of in various parts and corners of the cultural landscape um, who now are, you know, familiar with MACNO. Um, just as like a very tiny example, when we are all sending in our bios, I happened to, you know, glance at the one that Jennifer sent and noticed that she said she was on the board of, maybe going to get this wrong, it was like the New Orleans um, photography something, Alliance maybe. And one of the things that MACNO has been doing during the pandemic is really trying to act as a sort of collection net for grants and resources and, and sources of aid of various types, um, particularly in the cultural direction. Um, and we, you know, we find various ones. We put them out in our weekly newsletter. And we try to keep our website super updated with them. And so, and I happened to have come across on that day that was that Sony was putting out a call for female identifying photographers and videographers to get five thousand dollars to support a project of theirs. Mm-hmm. And you know, I sort of glanced at Jennifer's bio, saw this, and I, and I just sent it to her. And I was like, hey, you know, just wanted to, you know, please put it out to the New Orleans photography whatever you know, circles or, or list if you think it would be um, useful. And it was, and, you know, and I, I was wondering, you know, maybe she'd come across it before, you, were, you know, already, but she hadn't. Um, so anyways, I, I thought that was kind of just a, a neat moment, even before the panel, you know, it was like I connected with this person and as I was working on like sending out this one particular opportunity that sort of exists in this one corner of the cultural world, you know, female identifying photographers, like that's relatively small. Um, I happen to, you know, through this new connection, now have another avenue to, to broadcast it. Um, so, yeah, in, in that regard, I'm just really, really excited to um, dialogue with Lisa, who I've already met, and then meet and interact with these two new folks as well. Um, and, you know, and that's sort of on the personal level and then also the organizational level. Yeah, I mean, in those, you know, those, those many levels, I mean, it really loops back around to what Denise was saying earlier and thinking about how it's all about connecting and building these connections and, and shared sort of sense of community and compassion and, <laughs> and also critique. Um, great. Well, uh, well, I'm super, super, super excited about this event. And I wonder, just before we close, if, if y'all could just give some ways that people can learn more about your organizations and learn more about the work that you're doing outside of the event that's coming up on October 8th at 6 p.m. Um, I can go if that's okay, Hannah. Yeah, please. Um, so uh, New Orleans Center for the Gulf South, you can learn a little bit more about us on our social media and our website. So just do a search for New Orleans Center for the Gulf South. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 
on uh, Facebook and Instagram, we are at NOLA Gulf South. And on Twitter, we are at NOCGS. And I just want to briefly also state um, that this particular program of Women in Movement is in conjunction with Imagining America. Um, they are having a collective creative engagement um, called Through Tumultuous Times, Reimagining and Rebuilding America. And so if you are interested in hearing a little bit about Imagining America and the work that they do, the cultural and um, yeah, the cultural work of that organization, please visit imaginingamerica.org. Um, and, and I think there may have been like a slight sound issue when you were asking the question. You said just talk about Macno's work, um, just sort of beyond, or like what we're doing kind of beyond this panel, right? And, and yeah, and just other ways to plug in and learn more. Mm -hmm. hmm. Well, okay, so um, macno.com, M-A-C-C-N-O.com, um, and you know, like I mentioned, we, we, the, the pandemic has really sort of sharply pivoted a lot of our work um, in ways that like were just beyond, uh, you know, just unexpected in some like really crazy ways. Um, I'm sorry, all there's, I'm driving and there's a truck ahead of me that's signaling right and moving left. That's super oh, festive. Um, anyways, uh, and then on other forms of social media, we are um, at, uh, at Music Culture 504. That's uh, Twitter and, and Instagram. Um, and my coworker, Bernard, does a lot of our social media and he does a really amazing job. Um, and a lot of what we do is um, just around, again, you know, sort of issues of, of structures and systems. So, like, for example, you know, we do things like um, help garner community input for stuff like a, a study on outdoor live entertainment that the city is currently doing or um, a process around a designated cultural fund, um, which is actually very closely intertwined with the Office of the Cultural Economy as well. Um, and also during COVID times, we've been doing a micro grant fund, um, which we distributed um, quite a bit of money through like April and May and into June. And we are hoping to start that up again, um, you know, to, to go back to our waiting list and then, you know, continue on. Uh, you know, with, with more funding, hopefully in the next um, couple of weeks as well. So, yeah, find us on the internet. And if, if anybody's sort of, you know, looking to connect, you can always write to um, mailings, M-A-I-L-I-N-G-S, at macno.com. Um, and, you know, we would love to connect with you. Excellent. Um, well, again, Women in Movement number seven, Agitators, Policymakers, and Dismantlers in New Orleans will be taking place on October 8th from 6 to 7.15 p.m. featuring Lisa D. Alexis, Jennifer Williams, Hannah Craig-Benson, and Angela Tucker. You can find more information at New Orleans Center for the Gulf South's website and social medias. Denise Frazier and Hannah Craig-Benson, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Thank you, Theo. Thank you so much.